welcome to the Elevate Live podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. All you amazing, beautiful, wonderful people. Look at yourselves. Look how amazing you look. Look at your neighbor. Say, you look amazing. And look at your other neighbor that you chose second. And say, you look amazing too. (laughs) They weren't really second. Maybe you really didn't know them. Hey, I'm so glad to get to bring the word to you today. Pastor Keith is in Colleen. Welcome, McKinney. We're glad you're tuning in. We're cheering for you. Yes, yes, yes. Um, But Pastor Keith is in uh, Colleen, and he did a men's conference, and uh, so now he's speaking for the weekend. And so I said, pick me, pick me. I want to do the next time. I want to speak on miracles. So Pastor Keith, pick me. (laughs) I didn't get to speak to you on Mother's Day, so I thought this would be a great opportunity, too, for me to just deliver a message to you on miracles. So we're going to stand here for just a minute because I want you to read this scripture with me because we are in our miracle series and our word for this year is what? Supernatural. Say it again. Supernatural. Okay. This is our scripture for this year. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I'm excited to share a message that's on my heart. And um, I'm going to be talking to you about miracles. And so for us to really understand about, they've got notes for you if you'd like notes, and McKinney are here. But um, so for us to really understand about the supernatural, let us just be reminded of the natural. You see, our world was set in order by God through natural laws. We all know that. The law of gravity. What goes up must come Sam, you're being so interactive. I'm so proud of you guys. And uh, also, there's a sunrise and a... That's right. And so there's all these laws that are in place. But when the supernatural happens is when God goes against those, su- those natural laws and he shifts that, he changes that, and then all of a sudden he does something different beyond his natural laws And that becomes something supernatural because it's something that he wants to accomplish, something he wants to do. So that is a miracle. That's how miracles happen. He goes against our natural laws. Well, we need to be reminded of this, not to limit ourselves to just the natural. But a lot of times we do because we just operate in the natural. So we got to be reminded, don't limit yourself to the natural. We can... Think towards supernatural things because God is always working in the supernatural, even though we don't always think that way. You see, when we accepted Jesus, when we asked him to be our Lord and Savior, we entered the realm of the supernatural. We don't really think about it that way, but that really is how it is. I mean, when you accept Jesus, he doesn't live here on this earth. We open ourselves up to the supernatural. And if you believe that God created time 
and he created space, that's pretty miraculous. God is outside also of time and space. If you believe that, he lives outside of time and space. But at one point, he came into time and space in the form of a baby that was, Mary's womb was touched and a baby was formed. And that was the very second that God entered this earth. That is miraculous. You see, if you've accepted these about time and space, he was outside of time and space, he entered time and space, then you've accepted the idea of the miraculous and the supernatural. Also, when Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden and they sinned, we lost our home, didn't we? So the story of Jesus is us finding our way back because there became a barrier in the Garden of Eden. So we no longer was it between us and God in eternity. So that story of Jesus helped us find our way back through his resurrection because it was the path between heaven and earth. It would be opened again. So Jesus would return to heaven and he's going to take us there. We all know that there is heaven and there is a hell. He died for us. He died for our sins so that he could take us one day to be with him in, in heaven. That opened that to us. So that is supernatural. But what we have to realize, you know what? He loves us. He cares about us. He has a great plan for our life. So how could we not? And how could we resist the benefit of the greatest resource imaginable? He is our greatest resource Nothing happens beyond him. So how could we resist not knowing that he is there, that he is God of the supernatural? Well, you know, a lot of times what we do is we read about miracles in the Bible and we go, man, why did those miracles happen today? You know, there's so many amazing miracles that have happened. But can I tell you, there are more miracles that are happening today than you would ever know. Just think about it. All the churches came together. If all the missionaries that have gone and that are still working in, in the earth today, around the world, and they told us about the miracles that are happening, there would be so many documents. I mean, the book, it could not hold a book big enough of the miracles that God is doing. But we just have these pages that we see years ago that were documented, and we think, why isn't God doing these same miracles? Now, there were major miracles that had happened. But at that time, God, and even in the Old Testament, God was showing himself in a real way because he's trying to get their attention and say, hey, I am God, and I am, I am here in this earth, so I need to declare to you and show you that, that I can part the waters, that, that I can heal the blind man. Not that he still can't do that today, but there was some pretty miraculous things that happened because he was getting their attention. Well, for us today, I'm not sure that he needs to do that. We've got the church. We've got the word of God. We've got, got, you know, I mean, testimonies of what God's done. So we already know he does miracles. He's working miracles today. But you know, for me in my life, if I don't get a miracle, if I pray and I fast, because that's what they say, just fast and pray and believe. And if I do that, and I don't get a miracle, do you know that I'm going to still believe 
that he is a resurrected Savior, that he loves me because the foundation of my faith is not going to be based on whether I got a miracle or not. But so many times we see that in the day and age that we live and people that come to church and really don't understand who Jesus is and really haven't walked and lived that out. It's just that he's that God that if he doesn't perform a miracle, then he's really not God and I don't believe in him anymore. So how do you find him? And how do you truly know him and know who he is in your life when you don't get the miracles or when you don't see the supernatural things happen? Because we all do that. We see stories and we hear about people. It's like, God, if you'd have just healed them, you could have done this miracle and people would be saved and people would serve you. We've got all these ideas for God, don't we? And so we want that we want him to do, but he's got a plan and he's got a purpose and we don't always understand what all that means. But the title of my message is, He's in the Waiting. You see, God guides and sustains our lives every day. Every day when you wake up in the morning, do you know that that's a miracle? It's a miracle that you have breath in your lungs. It's a miracle that you can get up and that you can speak. It's a miracle that you can think. I mean, that we walk around, that our bodies just function, but we don't see it as a miracle. It's just like we just kind of take it for granted, don't we, a lot of times. But when you think about God's care in this earth, God's care over us, I mean, it's a miracle. Because you know what's a miracle? I told the first service that you put, and I put, all this stuff in our body. Hamburgers, hot dogs, corn dogs, Twinkies, all those things at the fair, deep fried. All this stuff going in our body. Danishes and pastries and pies and ice cream and... Pastor Josh is just, yes. And think how your body is still functioning. It's still working with all that stuff that we put in it that's not totally healthy. You know what? It's a miracle. It is a miracle. So in Acts 17, 28, in him we live and move and have our very being. So maybe someone has told you, like they have me, that, you know, the reason why you didn't get that miracle is because you did not pray hard enough. You know, you just didn't spend that much time. And maybe somebody has told you that same thing. Maybe some well-meaning Christian has told you that if you just prayed a little bit longer, if you'd have just uh, taken a little bit more time, if you'd have just had a little bit more faith, That faith that Pastor Jeremy was talking about, the faith of a grain of a tiny little mustard seed. I can't tell you how many times I've stood in all my lives in church, things I was dealing with, things just believing, having faith, trusting God, saying, God, you said in your word, if I just had the faith of a grain of mustard seed, I think right now I've got that kind of faith. It's just that big. And you know what? I didn't see the miracle that I thought that I wanted to have, that I was believing God for. And then when I was in high school and then into college, I dealt with scoliosis. It was a curvature of my spine, and I had a lot of aches and pains that really affected just my life and getting up every day. And someone had told me, you know, you wouldn't have that in your back if you did not have sin in your life. So maybe you need to repent. How about we know about the mercy and the grace and the love of God 
that none of our sicknesses has anything to do with, well, you didn't pray long enough. You didn't say the right words. You didn't have enough faith. How about we trust in God and believe that he's got a greater plan and a better plan for our lives. And we don't always have the big picture and we don't always know, but we're going to trust God. We're not going to lean to our own understanding, but in everything we do, we're going to say, God, I'm just going to acknowledge you. I'm going to trust you when I don't see the results. And everybody said, Amen. amen, because you know what? He's not a genie in the bottle. That we just don't say, hey, we don't manipulate God. We don't say, if you do it this way, then I'm going to serve you. We totally trust him. Because it says in God's word, we're going to see the scripture, Matthew 6, 7, and 8. It tells us, now don't pray this way. This is the one way it tells us not to pray. And when you pray, don't be like the people who don't know God. And they say the same things again and again. They think if they say it enough that God will hear them. Don't be like like them. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. But it does tell us how we need to pray. And that goes down to the next verse in verse 9 through 13. All of you know this. And I want you to say it with me. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And everybody said, amen. Well, you know what? When you pray that prayer, you can take that prayer and then you say, you know, our Father who art in heaven, Father, you are an awesome God. I thank you that you are almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing. You just begin to express to God who he is. And I, I, I thank you that you're, you're in heaven. You have a great plan. Hallowed be thy name. I praise you. You just begin to talk this prayer, but then express it from your heart. That is a model for us to pray. Well, let me remind you, based on what I want to share with you today, that your miracle will be found in the waiting. So number one, point number one is in your notes. It says, what does waiting require? It requires patience. Well, for me, I don't know about you. I don't have a lot of patience because I'm the type of person. I want to check the box. I want to get it done. And if you're working alongside me, come on, come on, come on, make it happen. Let's go. We got to go. Okay. Get that done. Let's move to the next. Right, Glenda? Yes. She's been with me for almost 15 years. So she knows that about me. We've got to go. We got to make it happen. My children know this about me. Pastor Josh, when he was a little boy, I would say, we're going to go to the grocery store. No, no. I'm like, what? He was maybe in the middle of playing his game or he's in the middle of playing with his superheroes. And I did not give him enough warning. So I would say, okay. So I would come in his room. I go, okay, in 15 minutes, Josh, we're going to be going to the store. I would come back to his room. In 10 minutes, we're going to go to the store. And then in fact, we would do the countdown thing. So that would help him. But it still got to the point where when he was putting on his shoes, we were already out in the car waiting on him. And what would I say every time, what do you know me as your mom is saying? What is the famous words that I say? Gotta go, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. So you talk about, and I'm sharing with you about being patient. 
That's because that's something that I have to work on too, is being patient. And you know, in our day and age that we live, it's our modern, get it done right now, make it happen society that we live in. Patience is rarely seen. We see that when we drive around, when we go through a drive-through line. I mean, think about it. We're in the drive-through line and you're going, what is going on? Did they order for an army? What? That is so much food coming through that window. I don't even look like there's that many people in the car. And why are those drinks taking so long? I have got to get to work, right? We become impatient because those fast food lines are not fast enough. And then you go through Chick-fil-A, right? They got two lines. They're taking your order. They're making it happen. Even though the line's long, I'm not a promoter of Chick-fil-A, but I just think, I just want to throw that in there. And then about, what about our entertainment? You know, a long time ago, we didn't, we just, we got to watch whatever time it came on. We get, didn't get to DVR. We got, we just had to watch the shows whenever we were actually home to turn on the TV. Well, now you've got Hulu, you've got Netflix. Well, what about if you want something to eat and you want it pretty soon and you just go, well, I'm at home. I need Uber Eats because I want something delivered to my door. Or you've got a book or you've got some type of thing that you've gone to look on Amazon. And so you've got Amazon uh, Prime. And you can get that in two days. Or how about Amazon now? And you can get it in two hours. Well, our products, the things that we want delivered, can just be instantaneous. But what if you're not patient? What if you don't want to build, you really, you want this in your relationship, but you don't have the patience to build trust and commitment. And you just want to hook up. Well, there's some apps that you can go to. So that makes it really easy for those that don't want to take time and really build relationship. That's to all of our young ones that we need to take time and commitment and trust and honor and work through all those things so you can build a great relationship, right? I'm not against dating apps. I actually celebrate because I know a lot of people have met. But it's about when you do meet, it's taking time and building relationship with that person, right? So this culture of impatience, you know what? It's coming to the church. We see it in the church. They're more connected to our phones and watching online than we are to being in community and having accountability. Now, I'm not just talking to y'all that are watching online because I know you're on vacation, right? And you would be here if you could. But overall, as the church, this is what's happened, that we're taking more time on our phones. I mean, look at when we go into restaurants. Everything's, it's not about connecting. It's not about being with that person that you're sitting with when you're in the coffee shop. When you just look around, everybody is looking at our phones. We become impatient because we can't be patient of just being in the moment and being with the people that we're with. We got to see what somebody else is doing, right? And then we want the Powerball blessing. We want it right now. We love that. Get that, get it right now. Want the blessing right now. So it's not about God showing us every day. He takes waiting and patience and trust. But it's like, God, if you're not doing it for me now and you're not doing it right now, then you know what? I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to take time for you because when I asked you for it, you did not deliver it. Well, Psalms 41, the psalmist David said, I waited patiently on the Lord. He inclined unto me and he heard my cry. 
We have to wait patiently on the Lord. If we're going to see God do some miraculous things, and if we're going to see the supernatural, because it's not always about just that Powerball, get it moment right now. So we, we've all been in situations of waiting in all of our lives. All of us have had to struggle with this. But I think for, for most of us, the day and age we live has just exacerbated it that much more of propelled us towards impatience. The waiting is too long. It's not fair. Others are getting promoted. That's how we feel a lot of times. We become impatient with our journey and our process. My knight in shining armor has, hasn't come. I, I'm tired of being in everybody's wedding and being the bridesmaid. I want to be the bride. I'm tired of waiting. You know why you have to wait? Because you've got some things in your mind that you know that God has put in your heart. That he's got a great destiny and he's got a great plan. And in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, I have plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future and expect it in. And you've got a great future ahead of you. So what happens with the great future that's ahead of you? It takes time. It takes a process. Well, let me define for you, and it's right there in your notes, what patience means. I looked it up, and in the, the definition of patience is the capacity to tolerate or accept delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. Okay, I failed at that, right? I haven't always been patient. And yes, I've gotten angry. And yes, I've gotten upset. Well, in the Hebrew, it's a complex word. So it couldn't just stand alone in the Hebrew is one word. It's two words. It's hope and expectation. So if we're staying in a, in a position of being patient, then we're looking and waiting for God to do something. See, we're good at the expectation. But when it doesn't happen in our timeline, that's when it's a struggle for us. That's when we give in. That's when we stop praying. That's when we stop reading our Bible. All of us are guilty of that because of the frustration, of course. You know, I, I mean, I understand that. I understand myself of my own personal struggles of wanting God to come through. And so sometimes you get frustrated and you don't want to open your Bible and you don't want to pray because you're like, God, where are you? And, and God, you know, he understands that. He understands that you deal with these struggles. And, but... In, in the day and age that we live, we want this click it, get it right now, make it happen. But God says, get a vision, write it down, and make it plain. So what are we going to do? We're going to have to wait on it, and we're going to have to pray on it. But you know what? We've come into these services, and we've believed God, and we want you to. We want you to believe for the supernatural. We want you to believe for your miracle. But in our lives, I just want to be real with you, that in our lives, that a lot of times the miracles don't happen right now. It's not instantaneous. Look at Ebony. She has been just going through the process of her eye, losing her eyesight, believing God for a miracle, pressing in, continuing to serve, continuing to be faithful for, to God's house, not growing weary in that. Yes, I'm sure she's had weary times, but saying, you know what, if somebody could just pick me up for church, then I can get there. Being faithful. And what has God done? He used people. That, he used us. He used you that we had the resources, that God created technology and 
doctors and medicine for our miracles to come to pass. So it's not always about snap your fingers, get your fingers, get it right now. It's about God, what is the process that you're taking th- me through? I'm not going to go grow weary and well-doing because I know in due season, something is going to happen. My season is going to come. Now, I don't know if Ebony thought it was going to come as quick as it came, but when we got the news and we knew of her faithfulness to her, to this house and her commitment to God, guess what? It was easy to do, to step up and to help her out. Aren't you glad you got to be a part of a miracle? You got to be a part of a miracle in somebody's life and you get the opportunity to do that every day. But you know, for all of us, it's up to us and it's the way we see miracles. So many times we don't see miracles that way. We see them as big and extravagant and parting the waters and opening blind eyes and growing an arm. But there's so many miracles that happen every day, but we're so focused on the negative. We're so focused on what's not going on instead of focusing on God what you are doing and what you have saved me from and what you are doing on my job and how you're touching people's lives and how through me what you're doing through me so in our why wait culture why wait to have sex why wait to get married why wait why wait why why take time and save our money why don't we just spend it right now Why wait? Because the promise is discovered in the process. And the process will always require patience. So your promise is going to come in a process. And your process is going to require you to be patient. Because you know what? Patience is a virtue. It's an actual fruit of the Spirit. And today is Pentecost Sunday. Some of you may say, Whoop, whoop. Yeah, some of you know what Pentecost Sunday is. Some of you have been in church. Some of you have read your Bible. And some of you say, what in the world is Pentecost Sunday? Well, Pentecost Sunday, let me just tell you, happened 50 days after the resurrection. Jesus said that he was going to send the Holy Spirit that he was going to be here to comfort us, to strengthen us, to go with us throughout life. So the apostles were the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles in the room. And at that time, they were given the confidence. They were given the boldness. And on that day, 3,000 people were saved and baptized. They came to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior and believe. 3,000 people on that day. Not only that, is they received the gifts of the Spirit, which led to the fruit of the Spirit in their life. And so that is, that's for us today. That wasn't just for the apostles. So that is for all of us today. We have access to the fruit of the Spirit in our lives because we're not going to have patience just because we say, patience, 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 patience. I want patience. No, it's not going to happen. We're going to be frustrated, 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 right? So we need the Holy Spirit to help us. And that's how that happens is by the Holy Spirit is how we get the fruit of the Spirit and we get patience in our life. So time is attached to patience, and patience takes time. We see this in the Word of God, too. When we look at Joseph in his life, many of you know he had a coat, the coat of many colors that was put on him. It was the coat of favor. But he was in a pit, and he was in prison, and it took 14 years for him to see this favor come about on his life where he became an influence on what was originally spoken over him through him getting this coat of favor on him. 
we look at Noah. I mean, look at Noah. He built an ark. Do you know that they had never seen rain? People laughed at him. He's got this big boat. He's got all the animals. Well, guess when it rained? 50 years later after he built the ark is when the rains came. Talk about patience. That is patience. And then we see David. He was anointed king, but he did not take reign in his, on the throne until 15 years later. So all throughout the Bible, you know, we see trials. We th- see people going through tough times. So it's not just about the miracles, but it's about going through a process, being patient when you're waiting on your miracle. You see, we will get his grace when he gets our weight. We're going to get his grace because God's grace is there for you and it's sufficient for you, but he's, he's wanting you to wait. What do you do when you're waiting? When you haven't gotten your miracle, when God hasn't come through, maybe even when your spouse has left, when the doctor gives you a negative report, Jesus said, don't worry. Don't worry. Oh, that sounds really good. I'm not telling you that. Because for me, if I knew your story, guess what I'd probably say? Worry. Wor- oh, I'd be worried too because I'm just like you. I have to work on this. I have to work on me not worrying about things that happen in my life. But God, in his word, tells us not to worry. In the waiting, you must not just have patience. This is my second point. You must persevere. So I must give you the definition of perseverance. It's continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulty, failure, or opposition. You see, this is a scripture that we're going to go off of this point, and it's James 1, 1 through 4. I'm going to read it to you. It's on the screen. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, said, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. But let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, James isn't really a book, but it is a letter Jesus' brother Wrote. So James is the half-brother of Jesus. And it starts with James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you have any brother that would call you Lord Jesus Christ, that you are their Lord? I mean, think about that. The fact that James was willing and declared that he was the Lord Jesus Christ and his brothers says a lot about what is taking place right here. You see, nowhere do we see in in the early part of the Bible where Jesus was walking the earth, where he was doing miracles. James is nowhere around. He's not a disciple. He's not a part of Jesus's life. Why? Because he's his brother. So he's just my brother. He's over there doing miracles. I don't even know what he's doing over there, but that's his brother, right? But when he resurrected from the dead, something happened in James. James' life changed forever. You see, at that time, Peter and James became the two who suffered greatly because of their faith in Jesus. So in the first century church, 
They were leaders and they were persecuted. They understood tough times. They understood that things are not going like they thought. They were persecuted. They were the first to believe. They were the first century church to declare that Jesus is Lord. That was not very popular back then. So when he says to us, consider it joy when you go through tough times, he understands what we are going through. So we have to pay attention to this. So when you face trials of many kind, it's telling us to adapt a different mindset toward adversity. So right now, those of you that are going through some of the toughest time of your life, whether it's a health challenge, it's the thing that you're probably is the most of your thoughts when you pray. That is the, the place that you, when, where you're at, that the challenges that you're facing that is the thing you pray the most, whether it's about your health, whether it's about your marriage, whether it's about relationships, whether it's about your children. That's where your faith is tested. And this is what he tells us to do in that process to consider it joy. Not to say, my life is over. It'll never amount to anything. I don't even know what God is doing. I'll never be the same. But he wants us to do something and he wants us to consider it a source of something good. Now, that's hard for all of us. If you're facing a health challenge right now, if you're struggling in a relationship where someone has left you, to say that, that it's good, well, all of us know the scripture and we've heard this. God works all things together for my good. Yes, I'm going to continue to believe that. I'm going to continue to speak that. But walking that out is very difficult. But we look at verse 3, and it says, Knowing the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work. That's because God is at work in you. You can see that, and you can know that. Or you can say, I'm going to hit the eject button. I'm going to walk away. Or you can realize that God is building the kind of faith that honors him and awes people. Because when they see your life, they know where they would be. They know what they would be doing. They know the struggle that they would have. But as you persevere through it, and you find that kind of faith that will honor him in the midst of your adversity, it will put God, God in awe. And then verse 4, it says, so that you may mature. How do you become mature, Christian? You allow perseverance to finish its work. And, you know, in the church of Jesus Christ, we need more mature Christians that we're walk, not walking around blaming people, blaming God, giving up on God. We need to mature. And it's through the tough times is how we mature. You see, you may say, what if I memorize more scripture? Will that help me be more mature? Because I'm really working on that. I've got my scripture on the mirror. I'm practicing it. I'm trying to learn the word. And I'm, I'm trying to remember to open my Bible and have a devotion with God. So will that make me more mature? No, that's just going to make you smarter. You're just going to know more. Well, what about if I obey every rule and every command and every law? Will that make me more mature? Nope. That's just going to make you more obedient. The only way, the only way spiritual maturity is measured is according to persevering faith, not perfect behavior. You know, I don't know about you, but when you look at somebody like me and you're just like, 
Pastor Keith just like says things about her, and she's like so perfect, and they call her precious, and it's like, you know, you get to know me a little bit better, and you're like, well, you know, if I had the life she had, and I grew up with the parents that she has, and she, they raised her in church her whole life, and that's all she's ever known, well, you know, what kind of persevering faith did she need to have? I get that, because you know what? I can be the same way. I am so blessed that I was raised in church, that I had that opportunity. But we are all so different in our backgrounds and how we came to faith and how we came to know Jesus. But I know for me personally, when people are in freedom and they're walking in those classes and they're a little rough around the edges and they may slip a little few words in there that maybe I might not say, but Pastor Keith would say. And, uh, you know, he's not here. I can say that, right? And so, but when, when you know, when you know people like that and they've really been through the shadow of the valley of death and they've stayed there for a while and they're really processing and working through their life and they keep maybe going back into a little bit of sin and they're, they're trying, they're pressing in. But you know what happens? What happens when there's that kind of people, when they have that persevering faith? That's when I stand in awe. That's when it moves me. Because they allowed perseverance to finish the work. I don't look at their life and go, oh man, I can't believe they're making those decisions. No, when they start making right decisions, I'm fighting for them. I'm fighting with them. I'm, I'm standing for them. I'm believing for them. And I love hearing their testimonies of that persevering faith, their trust and belief in God, that he's going to get them to the other side, that they stay in the game, that they don't give up. When you are surprised by adversity and you didn't deserve it and your world is upside down, don't assume the worst. Don't assume God has abandoned you and that God doesn't care. Reconsider that there is something good that can come from this. We have to endure to mature. God will use what he may not remove. So he may not remove the challenge that you're facing now but you have the power within you to persevere through your greatest challenge that you're facing right now. Whether that's one of your children that's causing you a lot of struggles and a lot of prayer at night. Whether that's you've lost a job. Whether you have cancer right now. Whether you're just like, God, I need you to heal me. I need you to touch me. God gives you the ability to endure and even if he doesn't take it away, even if he hasn't with your family members that maybe have gone on to be with the Lord and you've had confusion about that, we don't know. We don't know the mysteries of God because there's mysteries. It says in God's word, there's mysteries in the kingdom of God. But we're going to do our part. We're going to mature. We're going to grow. And we're going to persevere through our trials because this is not our final resting place. This is not where we're going to end up. We're just here on a journey, and we're here to bring people along the journey and to bring people in faith and to invite people into this journey because we know what God has done for us and what he saved us from and how much he loves us, and we couldn't do it without him. I, I can't No, I don't even know how when I face life challenges, how I could just go through life. I think about that with people, how they go through life without hope and an expectation of, of there's a higher power and a God who loves them, has a great plan for their life. It makes me want to be better. It makes me want to love people when they're mean to me. Because if naturally within myself, somebody's mean to me, I'm going to be mean back, right? 
I'm like, you don't treat me like that. I'm going to stand up for myself. I'm married to Pastor Keith. I know how to stand up for myself. Y'all don't think that, but I do. He's strong, but I'm strong within myself too. But you know what? I have to work on myself and my love and my encouragement. I may be called precious, and I always say Pastor Keith wants to speak that over me because he wants me to be more precious, but I really do work on trying to. I have to hold things in myself going, don't say that, don't speak that. Then I have to apologize. I have to go back to people and say, I shouldn't have said that. That was wrong. Whatever we have to do. But it makes me, because of my love for God and his love for me, to want to grow in that. So we sang that song. I love it. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. That's who he is. He's our God. He's a way maker in your circumstances. He's a promise keeper, no matter what you're seeing right now. And he is a light in your darkness. That's who he is. He's turning lives around and he's mending every heart. That's what he's doing right now in you. He's mending your heart. God's doing a work. The Holy Spirit is in this place and he's touching your heart right now. He's mending some hurts, some wounds, some broken places, some places that you are in right now that you're, you came into this place and you're challenged with because you're frustrated. You're frustrated at God. You're frustrated at maybe the people around you, the place that you work. You're just not maybe in a good place. God wants to touch you and say, I'm doing a work in you, and I want to mature you and grow you. And you need to have patience and you need to persevere through this. And I will see you through. And while we, I, what I want us to all do is I want us to stand because we're going to sing this song and then I'm going to come back. And it says, take courage, my heart, stay steadfast, my soul. He's in the waiting. I want you to think about this song as we sing this song. God is in the waiting. So you need to take courage. And you need to stay steadfast because he's in your circumstances right now. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.